today we're going to jump into a series uh, for two weeks uh, called Straightforward. So if you've got your Bibles, Matthew 4 is where we're going to be uh, today. And uh, we're going to kind of hit there and jump around Matthew a little bit. But this series and today's teaching is birthed out of one of the main topics that God kept bringing to my mind during my time away. And it's this idea that too often we as people and even we as a church can overcomplicate what it means to follow Jesus. I really began, one of the things I prayed about was just, God, give me direction, give me thoughts, give me ideas. What, are, what do you want us to hear from you? And I think even walking into my sabbatical time, I was trying to overcomplicate things. I was like, all right, God, give me an agenda. Tell me exactly what it is. And one of the first things he kind of hit me upside the head with was, you know, Patrick, this Christian thing, this idea of following me, it's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. It's not that difficult. There's not 50 things to do. And the truth is, it seems like the farther we get away from the actual time of Jesus, when he walked this earth and called people to follow him, the more complicated it's gotten to be one of his disciples. Seems like every time there's a new book, a new method, a new thing to do, and a list to follow. And Jared did a great job over the last four weeks of using Peter as an example of what it means to follow Jesus. And what are the signs of someone that follows him more than anything else? And he taught us how to love him more than anything, to trust him and to worship him more than anything. And that doesn't seem difficult. But yet, somehow, we make it more complex than it needs to be. We say, you know what? If you love God, then you got to do these things. You got to give, you got to serve, you got to sacrifice, you got to go to church, you got to read your Bible, you got to memorize scripture, you got to get up every morning at 5 a.m. and pray for 30 minutes. I mean, it's, we make these lists of things. If you really love God, you'll do this, 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 and this. Or if you trust God, it means you got to take a bold step of faith. You got to move somewhere you don't want to move and be a missionary and do something you don't want to do. Or you have to pray for hours a day. You have to, you can't have any questions. If you trust God, you can't ask questions. We make these lists. If you worship God, then you got to sing loud, raise your hands, know all the words to the songs, smile all the time. You can't ever be upset with God. And we make these requirements. We start making lists and measuring ourselves and others against it, and we create pathways to God that He never intended. And these pathways actually end up being barriers often to God. Instead of it being one, two steps, and we're in fellowship with Jesus, sometimes we make it 20 steps, this winding path, instead of just saying, you know, it boils down to just a couple of things. And that's what we're going to look at. The truth is that following Jesus is a pretty straightforward path. He gives us two very simple things to do, and we're going to look at those over the next couple of weeks. And we're going to look again today at this story that Jared began last week of when Jesus calls his first disciples. So if you got your Bibles again, Matthew 4, I'm going to look at verse 18 through 20. This is a condensed version of what Jared shared last week out of Luke. And it's Matthew 4, 18 through 20. It says this, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who he's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. The hard part of following Jesus isn't just following him. Like most of us often can follow him. I believe the hard part, we see value in Jesus. We see that it's worth following him to an extent. I think the hard part of following Jesus is actually leaving our nets 
behind, leaving these nets behind. Jared told us last week that the, in this one moment that their nets that they were leaving were full of fish. They were leaving behind a, like a lottery winning. They had just caught more fish than they had in a long time, and they, they left that. But today I want us to talk a little bit more about what it meant for them, what it means for us to drop our nets. I think many people follow Jesus today are following him, but they are still dragging these nets around. Some things we need to know about those nets then that they left behind. One, those nets were heavy. This was not yet. But today I want us to talk a little bit more about what it meant for them, what it means for us to drop our nets. I think many people follow translucent fibers and things like these were heavy rope nets. They had to go fish at night because the rope was so thick the fish could see it in the daytime. So they would go fish at night and these were heavy things to, to continue carrying a net would have been like carrying, you know, a big, heavy weight behind you all the time. They were also kind of fragile. They would break all the time with the seawater and the fish. I guess we get in there and gnaw at the strings and try to break out of the nets. And they had to mend them all the time. They were also very fragile, constant need of attention and repair. And they had a very specific purpose. Their purpose was to create a source of sustenance, to create a source of income, to create a way of life. It was kind of their insurance policy. As long as they had a net, they could go fish. They could create some kind of income, some kind of food, some kind of way of living. Now, how ridiculous would it have been in that moment if Peter and Andrew and eventually James and John, when Jesus said, follow me, if they said, okay. And then they started following Jesus around the countryside, dragging these nets behind I mean, just like, we're following you, but we're not willing to let everything go. They were still pulling their nets. And they would say, well, you know, maybe one day I'll still need it. Just in case this doesn't work out. It's too valuable and important for me to leave behind. Eventually, here's what's going to happen. They were still dragging these nets around. One of those two things, either their nets or Jesus, is going to win their focus. And if they keep dragging these nets, this extra stuff, then eventually they're going to lose their focus on Jesus and start worrying about all this other stuff. All these nets that are dragging behind them. Our issue is this. Many of us try to love, trust, and worship Jesus while still holding on to our nets. The challenge today is to realize that we can easily try to follow Jesus and we try to keep our nets at the same time. How do we do this? I want to kind of move the analogy into today's world because I'm not, I don't know what everybody does in here, but I don't think anybody in here is a professional fisherman. Are they, has anybody like, got these nets at home that they go out and use all the time? Like, so most of us aren't familiar with like what it means to like drag around nets. And so I want to kind of use some, the, some of the spiritual things that we'll talk about. I want to use some physical analogies that help us do this and some tangible examples of what it means to actually lose our focus, to keep dragging something around even though we say we're following Jesus. Most of us in here would say, you know what, I'm at least investigating what it means to follow Jesus and his teaching. I'm at least trying to learn. Some of us are very passionate about it. Some of us have been trying to do it for a long time and really want to understand these simple steps of following Jesus, but yet it seems so easy to get off track and make things more complicated than they are. And I think we can use three illustrations to help us see this this morning and three ways, three things that we can carry around that illustrate the spiritual 
practices. So I actually brought props this morning. I don't normally bring props, but uh, the first thing that I, instead of like that, that I think we can drag around sometimes is like a backpack. I don't know about you, but like I, when I travel, this is, I guard this with my life. Like I pack my clothes and all that other stuff, but anything that I might need, anything that is of a necessity goes in this bag. And like, if you, I actually left a little pack from my trip, like, th this is just insanity, right? I mean, I take every cable that I might need while I'm out somewhere. I got, I, you're going to feel, I took three sets of headphones on this trip. Like, one was like the Bluetooth, the quiet Bluetooth one, one was like the earbuds, one was a plug-in in case those stopped working. I got every contingency plan I had packed in there. I had a computer in here, an iPad in here. I actually had two pairs of sunglasses in here, plus my reading glasses, like toothbrush, extra toothbrush in here, toothpaste, deodorant, I always take a pair of extra underwear and things in case my baggage gets lost. I mean, like, this is my, it's my contingency plan, right? If my luggage does not show up, I can at least survive with my, with my backpack. Has anything, when we think about this, this is from a spiritual perspective, this is anything that I might need, you know, these provisions. And we think about it as like, you know, I love, trust, and worship, and follow Jesus. And I also, you know, I'm going to bring along some stuff just in case I need it. I'll trust him to a point, but I want to make sure I'm covered just in case. We start to keep sins and things that we aren't quite willing to give up in our backpack. We keep bitterness that we aren't willing to forgive people in our backpack. We keep dreams and desires that we aren't willing to allow God to touch in our backpack. We keep control of areas of our life that we aren't quite willing to give up in our backpack. We keep things like lust, pride, envy, or idols all packed away inside and bring it out and play with them when we think maybe Jesus isn't looking. We keep things in there we, we think might meet an unmet need that Jesus can't meet in our life. We store everything in there and we start to carry it around. And here's why. is because we don't think that Jesus' provision is enough for us. We don't think it's enough. Then we're carrying around this backpack. Just in case Jesus doesn't come through today, I can pull something out. In this relationship or in this situation or with this sin, I'm just going to pull it out when I want it. You ever carry a backpack like this to the city? It's not fun. I used to go around. I remember for, when I first moved to the city years ago, I was like, I had a big backpack, even bigger than this one. And I learned very quickly, like, this is not a good backpack for the city. Right? So I started finding different bags. And I was like, which would be the best bag to carry around? And here was my conclusion. No bag <laughs> is the best bag to carry around this city. Because every time you take a bag, so they could get on a crowded subway, you feel like an, you're like holding it like this, you're all this kind of stuff. We were at a play last night, you have to go through bag check. All these things, it slows you down. And here's what I want us to understand. We must release this idea that it's up to me to be my ultimate provider. Because if not, I'm going to put this backpack on and I'm going to carry it around for the rest of my life. Sometimes I'm filled up with things that I don't even need. Jesus talks about this later on in Matthew 6. He says this, Matthew 6:25. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor your body, what you will put it on. Put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet their heavenly Father 
feeds them? Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour of span to his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more also clothe you, O you of little faith? I love this passage. It's uh, Leslie isn't here this morning, but uh, if you met Leslie, she's getting married to Drew, who usually leads worship for us. She's got this tattooed on her arm right here. And uh, it was a, a pivotal vo- uh, verse that helped her step into faith in Christ. And she was talking about God providing for her and the an- anxiety of always feeling like she had to have something else. She needed something, God and something. Jesus and something else. And she said this verse really connected with her. And she said how it became a lot for her one day when she was in the city and she is walking down the street and there is a box with a whole pizza in it open on the street and there's birds eating the pizza. And she's like, this is like this first come true. Like Jesus has provided pizza for the birds here in New York City. Like he can take care of me. He will take care of me. And he does that for the birds. I was like, Leslie, tell me you did not eat the pizza. Oh, she's like, oh no. But it's that idea that you know what? Jesus doesn't just barely meet our needs. He abundantly takes care of everything that we need. We think we need something else than Jesus to give us. We think sin will make us happy. We think revenge will make us whole. We think some kind of amount of money or security will keep us safe or some kind of accomplishment or achievement will give us significance. The truth is these things only slow down our ability to follow Jesus. So we can throw a backpack on and think that God's provision is not enough for us. The second net that we can kind of pull around sometimes is what I call a security blanket. This is not mine. Uh, this is not my security. This is Katie's. She uh, loves sock monkeys. But, you know, who's the old, the Peanuts character? Linus, right? You know what I mean? Everywhere Linus goes, what does he carry? He carries a blanket with him. And it's like, everybody, this just keeps him safe. And this is something that we think gives us protection and hope, even though it really doesn't add any value. We say something like this. I know Jesus said my sins are forgiven, but I, I need to just make sure that I do some good to make sure to cover up for the bad things I've done. Or I know Jesus said I'm free, but I'm going to put all these restrictions on my life to just make sure I don't mess up. I know Jesus said that the law has been fulfilled, but I'm going to set up my own rules just to show him how serious I am. I know Jesus said that this was a life of abundance and joy, but I'm going to act Solomon serious to show him just how committed I am. And I know Jesus said that his grace is sufficient for me, but I don't quite believe that, and I'll continue to try to earn his love and forgiveness. And our security blanket is this. We don't think the grace of Jesus is enough. We don't believe that. We think we've got to do something else. Carrying around a security blanket is childish. How odd would it be for you to show up at work tomorrow carrying a security blanket with you? Like you got a presentation, right? You're prepared. The slides are done. You've been practicing. But you, you're like, I'm just not sure. But I know this will give me security while I'm presenting tomorrow. And you're, you're Tuesday, whenever you go back to work. And you're like, go out. Like, what is everybody going to focus on? 
Are they going to focus on your actual presentation or this crazy blanket that you're carrying around? And this is what happens in our spiritual life as well. We say, you know, oh, God's grace. I so appreciate God's grace and forgiveness and his love. But then we do things that act like God doesn't love us. Or his grace isn't enough. Or that we've got to do something to earn his, or his love in our life. And people start focusing on that and are like, your life is really no different than mine. And we start, this becomes our focus. Matthew 7, 7 through 11, I love what Jesus says here. He says, look, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find it. Knock and it will be opened to you. For anyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be open. Or which one of you, if a son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If then you who are evil, which is a great thing, thanks Jesus for telling us that, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? The truth is we sometimes think God doesn't give us what we need. So we have to carry around a security blanket just in case. We think we must still earn God's love even though it's freely given. We think we must beg for God's forgiven forgiveness even though it's already been expressed. We think we must prove our worth to God even though we have already been found worthy. We think we must demonstrate our commitment to God when we are already called his sons and daughters. This security blanket actually does nothing but end up creating a barrier between us and God. Saying, I've got to get to God. I've got to go through this. It becomes another distraction, another net that we're pulling around. We got our backpack on our back and our security blanket in one hand. And then there's one last thing that I think is a great example of what we can do to carry our nets, to not drop our nets. And it's the idea of baggage. Baggage, right? I mean, we, we all have bags like this that whenever you travel, you carry around and um, what this is spiritually, these are past things in my life that I think make me unworthy, unlovable, or unforgivable. It's true baggage in our life. Maybe my life has been filled with poor choices that created brokenness in my life. My character is so flawed that I'll never be able to do anything good, we think. I've experienced so many damaging circumstances that I don't have the strength to follow Jesus anymore. And we pack these bags full of regret, hurt, pain, bitterness, anger, and we just carry it around, adding to it more and more. And on top of that, we let other people stick stuff in here. We let them add to our baggage, their disappointments in us, their view of us, the way that they treated us, the words that they said to us, and we end up carrying these heavy bags around that God never wanted us to. And here's the where we're lacking when we carry this baggage, is we don't think God's love is meant for me. We somehow come to the conclusion that I am too flawed for God to really love me. Now, I was traveling for a month, and so I had a lot of baggage. Let me tell you how I hated my baggage by the end of this trip. One, I'll tell you, if Katie was here, she would tell you, I am an overpacker. Like, I pack way too much. I probably could have gotten by with one bag. Like, at this size, I took three. Not this size. Like, I took two big ones and one this size. Uh, let me tell you what first happened. When I got, I had my bags, uh, I flew Easter Sunday night. Uh, I left and uh, one of the first parts of my trip was I did a 10-day 
a transatlantic cruise that I wrote on. I'm going to tell you more about that in a minute. But I had to fly from here to Barbados. And when I got to Barbados, I got off the plane and I grabbed my bags at the uh, terminal. And I began to walk up and this guy walks up to me and says, are these your bags? And I said, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm walking out with them. And he said, uh, I am an undercover drug enforcement agent. And uh, the dog, March your bag, is containing drugs. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like, I, and he was like, can we look in your bags? And I was like, of course. Like, and he starts asking me, like, where are you going? What do you do? And I was like, I'm a pastor of a church in New York. And uh, I'm about to get on a boat, you know, all this kind of stuff. And on the way down, I had to have a brief stop in Trinidad. And I didn't think about it. I was like, oh my. And then I started thinking, did somebody put something in my bag? in Trinidad and like I'm gonna have to call somebody one of you guys and be like I'm in a Barbados prison I need someone to come get me but like that bag I did that I didn't know who it maybe somebody put in there they uh, they looked they didn't find anything I got on my way thank goodness and they the guy was like I guess our dog had a bad day or something like that but uh but anyway it was like this idea of like oh my gosh somebody's put something in here and we think about it in our own lives how often we let people stick things into our life that bring damage and hurt, stink and smell, and it's not what we want, but we allow them to stick it and we drag it around with us. And then when I got to an Airbnb that I was staying at, I, when I read the instructions that said, you know, one flight of stairs to the, uh, to the place, and I was like, oh, it's, you know, I can handle one flight of stairs. This one flight of stairs was 17 steps. And it was no wider, really, than this podium right here. I mean, it was a small staircase. The stairs were about this. I mean, I could barely fit half of my foot on there. I, I had to carry, I had one bag like this, one on my back, two trips up and down. I was staying at this place for two nights. I'm bringing three bags. I unpacked half of one bag while I got there, but I had to take those all the way up there, get them in, and then at the end of the trip, haul them all the way back down for two nights to use really two pair of clothes. And I'm like, why did I bring all of this stuff? Like in that moment, I'm like, why am I hauling this around? But at that point, I had I couldn't leave it behind. Couldn't just throw it on the street. Thought about it. But I was like, I have to haul this around. And sometimes we get caught in points in our life where we're like, I've been pulling this badge for so long, I can't let it go. It's who I am. It's what I'm about. And then... When uh, we ended our trip, Katie and I ended our trip in France, and while we were there, I was taking a bus from the uh, airport, and I thought I was smart and I knew where I was getting off at. Well, I got off one stop too early uh, on the bus, uh, which I didn't think was too bad. I mean, like a bus stop here is just a couple of blocks. It's not a couple of blocks there. So I am rolling three bags of luggage down a sidewalk in France, trying to get to where we're staying, trying to maneuver, and I think I learned some French curse words as I was walking down the sidewalk as people were trying to get past me and around me, and everywhere I was going, I was blocking people, I was a nuisance. It, was, it didn't just affect my life, my baggage then began to affect other people's lives. And that's what happens and when we carry these bags around. Eventually, people try to help us with them, people try to, but we end up blocking people's lives, we end up impacting their lives, hitting their lives with baggage, by the end of the trip, I was ready to just get rid of all of it. But the, idea, the thought is, when I packed it, I thought I needed every bit of it. And we do that in our lives. 
We think this pain, this hurt, something I can't get rid of, I can't let go, who I am, the decisions I made, something I have to take with me for the rest of my life. Baggage keeps us burdened down, keeps us back, just holds us back and makes us feel uncomfortable and out of place. And we've got to release this idea that I have to carry around everything by myself. Listen to this passage out of Matthew 11. It says this, Come to me, all who labor, and are heavy laden, Jesus said, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus never, in following him, never desired for us to carry around baggage. How do you get rid of baggage? I wish you could just let it go. I wish you could just... There were times I was really tempted just to leave some things behind. But I learned the way you really get rid of spiritual baggage in your life is to unpack it. But don't unpack it by yourself. Unpack it with God. Allow God to come and unzip it and, you know, whatever's in there, deal with. Talk about it. And this was a big part of what God did with me on this trip. I went into uh, the journey, especially the first 10 days intending uh, to write a specific book that I've been planning on and doing some research on. And uh, I may do that one in the future down the road. I'm planning on doing that. But as I began to sit down and write, uh, God really challenged me. He says, Patrick, I don't think you're ready to write that book until you write a different book. So I ended up writing, I'm still finishing, it's a book called Broken Peace. And it's P-E-A-C-E. So it's this idea of that we actually find peace in admitting that we're broken that we've got baggage that we've got to deal with with God. And for 10 days, I wrote about three very difficult experiences in my life. Some that I'd never shared with anybody before. Putting them on paper was one of the first times I ever spoke it or wrote it. How it held my mind about some things that had happened. But then I followed that up with the prayers and the conversations I had with God regarding those issues. Sometimes those were 40 years later in my life, long after incidents happened. But it's this idea that I had to unpack some baggage I had literally been carrying around my whole life and allow God to bring peace into my life by unpacking it with Him. And too often we carry these bags, we, we throw this on our shoulders, carry a our essentials, just in case doesn't, God doesn't come through. Or we don't think God is enough for us, and we end up carrying our extra security around, and then we have all this baggage that we're carrying, and we go through life like we're going somewhere, and we're just going day by day. This is not how Jesus intended us to follow him. Instead, the question that I have for you today is this. Will you drop this stuff? Will you let it go? We set the backpack down and stop thinking that God can't take care of you. Will you put the security blanket away and stop thinking that you have to earn God's love and forgiveness? And we unpack your bags and realize you do not have to do anything to earn God's love, to deserve God's love. It is freely given to you. And empty your hands and your body of these things because next week, as we step into what the next step is of following Christ, it's not letting go of something next week, it is picking up something. It's taking up something. And for us to actually move into taking up something, 
We've got to have free hands. We've got to be empty of these encumbrances that we put on ourselves and freely step forward. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me for a minute? We're going to end with a, a worship song that just helps us think about this. But I want to give you just a minute this morning to think about this and ask you this. Which one of these are you carrying around? You have your backpack full of essentials that you just think, Jesus might not come through for me today. I can't really fully trust him. You need to set that down. Maybe you've been carrying this security blanket and you're just doing more and more. Your, your life is filled with the works of a Christian. You're trying to just be better instead of just walking and following him. Thinking that you've got to earn God's forgiveness or earn your worth from him. Or you've been carrying around this baggage, maybe for years, that you've just been adding to instead of unpacking. Father, this morning, would you allow us to drop our nets, drop our baggage, drop our insecurities, drop the idea that it's up to us in this journey. Would you allow us to leave here empty-handed today? And maybe for the first time in a long time, walk through this week or walk through a day or even just maybe an hour in our life free, hands open, ready to receive what you want to give us next. And help us to come to you today our brokenness, our sinfulness, our desperation, but help us to come to you empty-handed, not pulling all of these things with us. God, help us to come before you today.